0: A shocking new investigation reveals that a state database designed to keep police accountable has been allowing dangerous cops to slip through the cracks. One of the reporters who spent months digging into the details is on the show today, along with a fierce critic of the system, to talk about where we can go from here. And just a note, this one is going to be explicit. Today is Friday, October 27th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. back to CityCast Denver the show about the capital city of a state where 42% of people surveyed think we are part of the Midwest yes some people Ugh. who live here <laughs> think we are part of the Midwest Tim I feel like this hit you as hard as it hit me yeah what
1: colorado is the midwest
0: no, I'm no. not from here. I
1: have no idea. No, we're the Southwest, first of all. Thank you. I if was like, if we are going to claim anything,
0: West, it's <laughs> the Southwest. We're directly in the
1: middle. So we, well, the yeah. Southwest is is a is a broad concept to people like. me.
0: It comes <laughs> upward and it seeps into us. I mean, San Luis Valley. It's yeah. You, what we would were that be the Midwest? Mexico.
1: There's no way that Thank we you. can be <laughs> the Midwest guys. Like they got ranch. It's already in New Mexico. Ch- two different kinds of chiles. Like, <laughs>
0: There, that's the end of the story. We have chilies. We have several types. So yeah, I just, yeah, I saw that and I was like.
1: 42% is pretty big though.
0: Yeah, but who are they serving? I mean, mm. we don't know. We what don't point
1: does it just
2: become fact because so
1: many people believe it?
0: This is what I'm afraid mm. of, Andrew. I don't <laughs> want that to happen.
1: Yeah, now Midwest. If we're Colorado. claiming
0: anything, Tim, you are correct. It is the Southwest. Yeah,
1: we're Southwest. I'm
0: a Southwest. That's where we We should heart do a city
1: cast poll, like a. Like,
0: <gasps> we yeah. should. What part? What are we? Mm. What do you? What do people well, think? Colorado when is. Up, when
1: I was growing up in Denver, we identified as like the West Coast. Yeah, right? like that was totally. like. Even though, like, we, we are, are a not dead
2: center in the country. I mean,
1: yeah, we in the <laughs> West, Kind of why we way. get pulled, I feel, <laughs> like,
0: all these different directions.
1: Yeah, but, but Southwest, that's my that's my take.
0: <laughs> so we're going to put that poll in our newsletter,
1: uh, which you can subscribe to at
0: denver.citycast.fm, the Hey Denver newsletter. Watch out for it. Uh, it's Friday. We're in the 5280 Magazine studios in beautiful downtown foggy Denver. Um, you've already heard their voices. I'm joined today by returning fave state representative... Tim Hernandez. Welcome,
1: <laughs> What's up? Tim. What's up? It's good to see you again.
0: Good, good to see you, too. And we have a first-timer here with us, uh, reporter Andrew Frayeli. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So before we get started, just a little bit of business. Um, if you missed our interview with Mayor Mike Johnston earlier this week, do yourself a favor. Go back in our feed and check it out. I think he had some interesting stuff to say. And we're going to be following up with him again pretty regularly, we hope. And uh, we just had a great time talking to him. And uh, yeah, so check it out. All right. First story. Police accountability, um, I mean, this is an ongoing conversation on this show, for sure, the state of our police. Um, there's three trials going on right now in relation to the killing of Elijah McLean in 2019. But Andrew, you just published this massive story about a program that was supposed to regulate police in some capacity and sort of help stop these kinds of things from happening. Um, can you start by laying out what you uncovered?
2: I would love to. So post- Uh, which we'll be talking about for the most part for this article, is kind of the state regulator for police.
0: Post. Peace officer standards and training.
2: Peace officer standards and training. you think I would have it off the top of my head after nine months of investigation. After thinking about it nonstop uh, for nine months. It's like after a final. It's all kind of squirting out of my head. (laughs) Um, So
0: so this this is a... regulatory body.
2: It is a regulatory body. They are the organization for the state who gives officers their certification to make arrests to to be police officers. They have to have this to work at uh, police agencies. Um, So they are the ones who do that. They are also the ones who decertify officers. So they are the only ones with the capability of taking away their certification, uh, which is kind of the basis of what we're we're looking at in the article. So originally the idea was that in 2020 and in 2021, um, after partially in response to George Floyd protests, some of it was starting before that, was uh, more regulation and more accountability and transparency for the police. And with that was the idea of pushing a database that post runs that would have uh, all the officers, their certification. So for the first time, you can kind of check to see an officer certification if you have their name and be able to see any actions against them, which would be being subject of a criminal investigation, terminated for cars, resigned uh, in lieu of termination, things like that. The issues that we were finding as we were looking into it is that this database is uh, not very up to date. It takes a long time for it to get updated. It doesn't really show very much detail. Uh, for instance, I know uh, the Elijah McLean trials have been going on recently. So all three of those officers that were involved in that uh, should say being subject of a criminal investigation on that database. So if you, if look you go and name, search
0: them in this post database, mm-hmm. it should have that information.
2: It should have that information. This this is that is like one of the things that's supposed to be on the database. None of them have that. Mm. Interesting. Uh, and we we saw that uh, when we published the article, none of the trials had ended yet. Um, so
0: and that was a high profile case. I want to say so this was something that. That people would be looking into, but yeah. this was also, it became apparent through this investigation that mm-hmm. this was how a lot of police officers' records were. Yes. Not just ones that are making the news. Yes. And we, not in a good way.
2: Not in a good way. We found multiple instances of officers who have done things that they should have had actions for. They either uh, were terminated or resigned. Uh, one, our kind of big highlight example is Shane Madrigal, who was a Denver police officer. So he should have had on the database uh, that he was terminated for cause. He did not because uh, Denver PD, as they told us, forgot to report it to Post. Uh, Forgot to report
0: it. Forgot to
2: report it, uh, which is not great, but it becomes worse uh, when we looked into it. And we found that Shane Madrigal was, uh, there's a lot of, he uh, says that he didn't say these things, but according to report and many officers around him and to the internal affairs reports that we got, he was involved in a a shooting and he shot a man's face with a rifle. Uh, The man had uh, carjacked and had allegedly been shooting off into the crowd. And so he took the shot and shot him 16 times in the face. Uh, And he said afterwards that he knew the first shot killed him and he just wanted to watch his face fall off. Yeah. At least this is this is during an
1: interaction where, like, in the in your story, it says a total of 109 rounds fired. Mm -hmm. There was there was other officers at the scene who were also shooting at him.
2: Gotcha. Uh, He took the first shot, uh, I believe.
0: And I want I just want to lay out a little bit a clear picture of what was happening, because I looked into this story. This happened Mm -hmm. a couple of blocks from my house. Um, It started on Morrison Road, unfortunately, in a very populated area of families, Mm -hmm. I mean, right behind an apartment complex. This gentleman was shooting at folks. Mm -hmm. He had carjacked a car. I mean, there was definitely a situation happening. But the disturbing part, I mean, on top of just the police finally get him, they shoot him, but then it's this, this part that you talked about, which is, uh, this officer, Shane Madrigal, s- shot him 16 more times and said he quote yeah. wanted to see this gentleman's face fall apart.
2: And he had been involved in a in a shooting prior to that as well with a pistol. Uh, and again, this is what uh, officers and coworkers around him said in, in the internal affairs report said that he wanted to get shotgun certification so he could have a trifecta,
0: as in different types of weapons he would be using against to kill people c- to kill civilians. Yeah. So this is just like – this was like the scene setter for the story, I think, to to give folks an understanding of someone like this – their information is somehow not in this database, yeah. meaning technically they could maybe be hired by another department yeah, or another law enforcement agency because there's no record of this situation unless you really look into them.
2: And even if there was a record on the database that he was terminated for cause, he could still get hired. He's still certified officer in Colorado. The mm-hmm. difference is that, you know, an agency might look at that and be like, oh, maybe we don't want to hire that risk, guy.
1: The risk factor, yeah. Exactly.
2: But- in our investigation, uh, it didn't most of that uh, didn't make it into the into the article because it was uh, just kind of skewing away a little bit. But we were looking and finding a lot of wandering cops as well, hmm. cops who do something that you know any normal person would be like, that's atrocious. Maybe they shouldn't be a cop anymore. And then it wasn't something that was actually decertifying, and they just get a job somewhere else. Um, one officer that's kind of on the lower scale, uh, his name is Leotis Johnson, he had taken a phone number from someone's ticket that they wrote for a young <gasps> woman and was texting her. Uh, no. Yeah. So that was fun.
0: So these can really run the gamut in terms of what could be in this should be yeah. in these records is like harassment by that would I would consider that harassment by it a police is. officer. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim, what did you think of this this story?
1: Yeah, I I think. When it comes to what I would label as like police reform, right, and and this is a step towards that, right? With this, Colorado is, is this is a newer bill, right? And, and, and only a few years old. Yeah, it's it's only a few years old, and so it's it's definitely a, a step in the right direction, is what I would say. I believe in public accountability and transparency for police interactions, types of interactions, use of force specifically. Um, but what I think is is really revealing about it is oftentimes, at least legislatively, what we do is we'll pass things that sound good and are in the right stride of the direction that we want to make progress in, in community or across the state. And and we really implement systems that are are fundamentally flawed and struggle to perform their actual work. And I think um, that's really clear, right? I, as, as I was reading through the article, some of the things that jumped out to me, right, is uh, many officers charged with decertifiable offenses are able to make plea deals that allow them to stay post-certified. And so, Even when you are publicly having a system that can be reported and is used for accountability and oversight, people can choose to opt out of that. And I think that that's really problematic when we think about how use of force is something that should be decertifiable for police officers, right? I think everybody would agree that police excessively using force does not make our community safer either. And I think that um you know even just legislatively when I was reading through the bill last night and trying to figure out like what what are the pieces of like why why is it failing And I think that the the pieces of why it's failing are really interesting too, right One post this is the only agency that yeah. does anything in relation to this. It is the only oversight place. it is the only one for Colorado for Colorado, for Colorado. Yep. okay um, it doesn't have enough funding.
0: Right, it doesn't even right. have anybody helming it right now. That position's been vacant for five months. Yeah,
1: so. yeah. and 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 actually, I thought the most glaring component of the story that that really kind of jumped out to me is the idea that the data is not retroactive to police reporting of use of force. It's only since 2022. So right? anything yeah. that
0: happened prior 2022, even though I in your reporting, hmm. th- th- there's these things have been tracked since like the 90s. Yeah,
2: Post has this information. It's mm-hmm. just not
0: in this database. It's not in the
2: database. The it's not publicly we'll go accessible. It's not publicly accessible. Right exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's there. there. It, it yeah. exists, and 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 it was a very interesting finding that uh, agent officers are playing down. Uh, mm-hmm. We found that happening a couple of times, and it kind of stood out to us that the courts have a huge amount of power for this decertification oh, yeah. of officers because most of the ways an officer can be decertified are criminal. Yep. Uh, there's a set. There's about forty different misdemeanors any felony. And then after that, it's just untruthfulness for certain circumstances um, and a couple other specific ones like that. And so we were finding that, yeah, if those situations just don't happen, if it's not criminal, an officer could be found in in an internal affairs report to have done this deed. But if they get a plea deal or something and they're not charged with it or convicted with it, then they're not going to be decertified, even yeah. though it was found by the agency that they did that thing.
1: Yeah. And it's it's really contingent upon people like DAs, right? And mm-hmm. I think use it I, I think it's really important to lift out often when we look at criminal justice reform, we look at police, we look at, you know, sheriffs, we the even, whole system. We have to really yeah. unpack the idea of how DAs play into the system too, right? First of all, DAs are publicly elected officials. They are not anybody overly qualified, right? Like they they do not go through a ringer of like, oh, you've 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 done the work to be able to arrive at a place to be qualified to make these decisions. Anybody can be a DA as long as you're you're certified to be a judge, right? Um, uh, or an attorney, excuse me, right? And I, I I think I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I think uh, uh, last time I was on here, I was talking about Jordo Richardson, right. and right. Um, I, I went to the meeting that uh, that actually that they held with uh, DA John Kellner, with Chief R. Acevedo and, and community. And it did not go well. And I think what was really revealing in that meeting as I was talking with folks, I was like, hey, you guys know like, this guy who is making these decisions about excessive force, about whether it's a, a, a decertifiable offense, right? about what these accountability measures would look like, They they're not somebody who's particularly qualified. They just won an election, right? DA John Kellner won his election by less than one percent of the vote in Aurora. A a member of the Republican Party who won by less than fourteen hundred votes, right? Like we talk about a place like Aurora who has a municipal election coming up in the in in the next couple weeks. That's going to be super big and super determining. I mean, this is huge. Specific to the impacts of the Aurora Police Department, right? When we think and we consider the microcosm, the Aurora Police Department are already under a consent decree from the state because of excessive force. And still this year, they've killed multiple people in instances of excessive force. And we would think systems like POST would help us like at least stop the bleeding on the back end, right? Like-
0: Keep this person from being out in- yeah, yeah, that like cops
1: cops are constantly in the press constantly at the state capitol saying, well like, well we do we try really hard and we we really do our best job and and we don't want to harm people either, right? Like and, and and in my heart of hearts I I want to believe that. But when we have a system that consistently is underfunded, does not report data accurately, right? Like the in the article there's a a story about Quentin Stump, right? And and yeah. That's a fascinating case, right? Responsible for a use of force with three bullets to a man named Zach Gifford, a $9.5 million civil settlement to Gifford's family, right? And he's currently in prison right now, serving a sentence for manslaughter. And, and he doesn't he still, show up in the system. He's still post certified, right? So, like, or the, he's the, okay, still
0: certified, <laughs> still certified even certified. though we've had a settlement, he's in jail for excessive force,
1: right? Like, there is, there, it's, it's, it's rough. And I think a lot of times we attribute this of like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. Like, even when we're talking about untruthfulness, right? That's yeah. a new law, too, that that mm-hmm. came into effect in 2019. And so, again, I go back to the idea that we are designing these laws and, and I think doing it in the right cultural place, right? Like, I, I often view politics in a couple different ways, right? I think there's cultural politics and I think there's legislative politics and I think a lot of politicians assert the idea that legislative politics drives culture right that that when we institute things like post and police accountability it will inherently drive down you know police use of force. But I think often what what we miss out on, and I think what we know in community much more is that is our cultural politics that drive what happens legislatively, right? This bill only comes into effect in 2019, right? Because of the racial awakening in the United yeah, States. Exactly. And, and, and I think that there's just a really important way to think about how we consistently keep m- movements alive, right? How we right. keep ideologies alive to yep. be able to push our, our, our cultural politics to continue to push legislatively, right? It's not enough to just get a database if it doesn't report anything that happened before a year and a half ago, right? That's not that's not helpful to anybody.
0: Well, and it's also like you want to, like you made this point a little bit earlier, Tim, where things can happen at the legislative level, but then implementation is a whole other story. Yes. And I think that's what you're reporting really exposed, Andrew. And I wonder, you worked on this for nine months. Yeah, What was... Was there a story or something that grabbed you that made you say, I have to keep looking into this?
2: I mean, when we started initially, we really just wanted to see if the laws were working like Mm. these initial laws, just how well were they working? And slowly that became realizing that they were not working that fantastic and it became looking into how they weren't working. Mm. So there were just so many cases. There really wasn't one specific one until we found Shane Madrigal that was like standing out as just so atrocious that like we need to keep going. It was um, as... uh, uh, Susan Green, my co-writer, how she put it is the banality of evil. So, I mean, you you brought up, um, sorry, Jordell Richardson, and I looked mm-hmm. at the officer that was involved in that, just to you know, just and to just check.
0: to just to restate, Jordell Richardson was the 14-year-old boy killed in a confrontation with Aurora police earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Just for mm-hmm. folks that don't yeah. know, yeah, and that should,
2: officer should. was James Snap, mm-hmm. uh, and I looked him up on the Post database. Uh, he is according. to to the POST database. He is still employed by the Royal Police Department. He is still certified and he has no actions. So one of the well, uh, one of the—I think it was in 2021—one of the kind of supplementary laws that came out to kind of adjust for some of the previous law stuff, including the database, was mm. making police departments review the database before they hire someone, before they hire an officer. Which
0: seems like so basic. It yeah. seems basic, and it <laughs> Common
2: seems sense, great, right? <laughs> right. Except you know, the database is uh, takes time to be updated. It mm. uh, can be delayed. Uh, it can be sometimes inaccurate. Uh, and then, of course, things just don't show up because it's not detailed so if you Mm. look at james snap this officer he has no actions he has nothing he looks like he has a clean slate
0: he was part of this this Mm -hmm. news this story that made the news and it's not in the
2: database it's not in the database because the database only the only criminal uh, thing that it shows is being subject of a criminal investigation Mm -hmm. and as soon as that investigation is done that gets taken away so you can't even see
1: if if in the past exactly exactly you can't even see that
2: and that combined with the fact that the database isn't retroactive
1: Well, and that—that's kind of what stood out to me is like as as I was reading through the article, some of the pieces about like post can like post is flawed in 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 what we're describing as far as how it reports, right? But even the oversight agency, right? Of like, hey, look, like now that somebody has been decertified, right? Like that. There, there's a, a clause in here that says, POST could withhold funding or impose fines on Denver and other departments yes. for not reporting, but it chooses not to. Yes, that, that was a huge aspect.
2: And really kind of the main point that we were trying to drive at is that, I mean, as you said earlier, POST of all people, who else would be the ones to keep police accountable? It's the only state agency. It's right? the only <laughs> state agency. They're the only ones who would possibly be around to do that. Hmm. And and, and other agencies and other, other similar post-type agencies in different states, they are allowed to decertify for anything. Hmm. There's, there's other states that have these same organizations who have these powers, and ours doesn't, but they do have the power to sanction agencies. Hmm. And it has come up, while well, we've spoken with Post and, and the AG, that there's been circumstances where, I mean, like Denver Police Department with Shane Madrigal. Hmm. They were aware of that. They did not sanction them. They've never sanctioned any department. They are aware there has been instances similar to Denver, Denver police where they could have and they haven't.
0: And I think it kind of also goes – we won't get too deep into this, but the, the sort of blue wall of silence conversation that oh, yeah. people, mm-hmm. people within the departments don't want to be a part of being the record of – yeah. one of their fellow officers or someone that they're supposed to be overseeing being part of this database because they did something wrong.
1: Well, and there's mm-hmm. there's the whole layer of the power of the police union, right? And, totally. And, and yep. like these other moving factors that, again, are, I think oftentimes – when we discuss police use of force, it does become very political, right? This will be a very politicized episode, but I think oftentimes we neglect the fact that the folks who practice policing, who oversee policing, who work in police unions, those are political choices too, for sure, right? And those those folks do work, and and we we hope that it's in line with public safety. But I I even think about like the the comment in in the in the article about an officer posting hashtag use of force Fridays, right? Yeah. Like uh, the, mm-hmm. the 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 pieces of like even just like the the in individual folks who are responsible for seeing oversight within departments, right? Like, and, and even them saying, Oh, well, we've resorted to things like doing keyword searches, right. And like about what is happening about like police interactions. Yeah. And I think it, it it fascinates me truly because like what, what they're describing is like a, a, a cop watch, right? Like yeah. about looking up keywords on the internet, being able to identify when something is happening, showing up and arriving and filming the altercation, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a grassroots approach that has been done in Denver the for police, a very long for time, sure. Right? Like there was Absolutely. police oversight in Denver, you know, d- you know, in, in response to a lot of different pieces in the sixties and the seventies, right? Like, and I think that like it's um, it's just really telling, right? That like if an institutionalization of this practice is less effective in actually attaining oversight, then mm-hmm. then I would ask the political question of like, is that like. We need state funding for it. We understand that, right? And and I'll tell you as a state legislator, everybody tells me that running bills with budget notes and getting more state funding, right? These are systems we know make us safer. Right. And it gets into these weeds of, of what I think are, are are really harmful parts of the conversation about like, oh, well, we know what makes us safer. We know it's not working. We know that there's really not a lot of oversight. And folks are resorting to, to like grassroots methods of identifying this, right? Like that community already does for free. And- and ultimately, right, like is, is flawed because I, I think that it just buys into the same version of the system. Right. And I think that, you know, if we wanted police accountability, we could have it, we could fund it. We would have safer communities. We would be able to uh, decertify officers to understand and arrive at a conclusion that certain folks who commit crimes or, or even if it's just, you know, um, infractions the Fridays. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> why should I think like, I'm, I, I like literally, as I was reading this, I was like, you know that they're, I'm going to cuss if that's okay, but yeah. like, you know that like fucking in school districts across the entire state of Colorado, teachers have to turn in their I, lesson plans a week early. I and was then thinking they
0: have about to- all of the industries or the things yeah. that where you have to have more background checks or you have to have like the preventative side of this too is like what I'm so blown away oh, by. Yeah, like, yeah, I feel like. I don't, I was, I don't, I was fired from Chili's for less. Like what?
1: (laughs) How? (laughs) But you know, (laughs) but
0: you know what I'm saying? Like, and I had a, there was a record of like being late or whatever, but like, how do we not have this for police? Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like, it
0: just doesn't, it blows my mind. But like you said, Tim, with teachers, with healthcare professionals, mm -hmm. with People that do caregiving, like all kinds of people have to go through all of these certifications and safety thing, trainings, mm-hmm. and they have to have all this documentation. What are we doing with our police? And
2: they have outside organizations. Yes. Like, say Chili's, a restaurant. <laughs> Chili's, the restaurant, does not go, yep, we are abiding by food code. We right. are fine. Right. Yeah. There's, a, there's
0: like the health department, and there's exactly. all these things. Exactly. You're right. Yeah.
2: So. And we have aspects of that. Mm. but. But I mean, as we've said with posts, like they do not have the power to go check if an
1: agency is complying. They, they, and they don't, have yeah.
0: the, they don't have the time. They don't have the money. They don't have, have, the, the, money, they don't well, have the resources and, and to what do that.
1: Yeah. And what, and what we're missing now, right, is at the end of the article, you say like leaders in both political parties believe that it's just a, that, that police reform is just not a hot issue. It's just not it's not something that we can continue to push on because it does. If communities are still receiving a version of public safety that does not yield safety, that should be an urgent issue for every person in elected office. That is our job, right? If the state agency that is responsible for reporting is failing because of a lack of funding, right? We think about Denver's Star program, which is effective, but is largely not working because it is underfunded. It's underfunded. And and And
0: it's been requested. Communities, I want it in my neighborhood. mm. I know a lot of folks that don't want to call 911, but they need to call someone to help somebody that they see in a crisis exactly. and it's like it's like t- minuscule funding every you know city council will pass a little bit at a time but how are we not putting money just into something as simple yeah. as that but so i i just want to finish up because you brought this up mm-hmm. is do, what what is the appetite for police reform now what are we thinking like you as a legislator and then andrew what is you, what do you see as as someone who's investigating this how do you think people feel about it
2: I mean I, I think from talking to people who are affected by these cops like people want transparency people want accountability I mean we want transparency to be able to see I mean th- this database is a huge step I mean people officers have been discertified for untruthfulness people have officers haven't been hired because of this database it is fantastic I, I like you do have to say like this is fantastic that it's here Uh, And it's great that we have it. It is more transparency than we had, but it's not enough. We spent those nine months, a good half of that was getting internal affairs reports to actually find out what happened. And that's when we find the details of like, oh, this officer wasn't just fired for some random reason. They were fired for some atrocious reason, like shooting someone 16 times in the face and saying that they wanted to keep doing it. And we should know that. The public should know that Absolutely. this database should have that information. And it doesn't. And I think people want that. Yeah. I think that's something that needs to happen. And for everything that we're talking about, for this accountability, we can't have accountability without transparency. Mm. They're
1: hand in hand. Yeah. And yeah. Tim,
0: what do you think as a legislator? Can you bring this up? Is this something that you want to work on? Do you think that there's a quote appetite for more conversations about reform?
1: To be honest with you, I mean, I have an appetite for them, right, because I think that I'm plugged into versions of community that that most folks in the state legislature might not be, right? I'm I'm plugged in with young people. I'm plugged in with a lot of black and brown grassroots organizations, right? And I think, you know, like the point that you had made about the political appetite waning when it comes to police reform because there have not been, quote, high-profile killings, right? Like Mm. that— that I think is like the icing on the cake of what I would say to my colleagues to legislators of it shouldn't take a high profile killing it shouldn't have to fucking make the press exactly our job is to prevent harm that is the entire purpose of investing in systems like public safety I have an appetite for seeing what that looks like and and making sure that we can expand and make sure that these databases respond effectively that we can fund them effectively that we can arrive at a place where we, we have safer communities right everybody is all always talking I'm, I I'm Mike Johnston right like in in the episode you guys just did talks about crime and and all these other pieces and I often think about how when we talk about crime and we talk about the city being unsafe right we attribute it in these really harmful ways that like politicians don't respond to and like again it goes back to the idea of like it shouldn't take a cultural movement of people standing outside the capitol saying a high profile killing was inappropriate we would like that for
0: basic safety we should be investing
1: in every part of our jobs to make sure that we are preventing every death possible here in the state of colorado because if we don't then there's a, a very real moral question i would ask my colleagues right i i I think that while political interest and and people will say, oh, well, we can't do anything because it's an election year and all these other pieces, right? Like, homies, like (laughs) people are dying.
0: Right. And like, oh, (laughs) taking a stance like that makes me unelectable. Then I don't know what – why are you in this job? Sometimes it is to be not liked because you have to stand for what you believe in. And it's – I don't know it's complicated. We could we could go on forever. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Um Andrew, this reporting you did collaboratively with other reporters is incredible. I really hope folks read it. It is it's shocking, but it's also awakening and it's yep. really an in-depth understanding of where we are with police reform right yep. now. I think that's what I took the most from it is we we got a lot yep. of work to do. But like you said, this this thing exists. Let's go with, let's start somewhere. I hope somewhere. it
2: spurs more change. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Incredible we're, story. For <laughs> thank, thank
0: you. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, our wins and fails of the week. We're back. Uh, we're going to do our Rocky Mountain highs and lows. Good things that happened this week. Terrible things that happened this week. Start with the bad so that we can end on the good. Um, I'm just going to start. We had another mass shooting in Maine. And I don't even know what to, it's just like, what do we say anymore? What do we do anymore? I. It's every time you read little details of one of these and it's just like something is just, it just gets worse and worse. For me, this was, this gentleman walked into a bowling alley where there was a kids bowling league happening. Children, again, I know, we know by what's going on in the world that children are not immune to violence, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say.
2: I believe it said it was the biggest shooting since twenty nineteen, which uh you're like, wow, that's you know, wow, in what,
1: four Ooh, years? Four uh, whole years. Uh, I would hope it would be longer than that. But yeah. uh yeah. Yeah, it's um send a lot of love to, to folks that are impacted. It's um you know, every time this comes up in the press, I like can't help but cry <sighs> no. and think about like those, Everybody are, you those, know. those are preventable deaths. Right. Like that is like the icing on the cake to every like, yes, we have become desensitized as a culture. And like we like even like the, the conversation that we're having of like, oh, well, it's the biggest one in Fort. You're like, we could have prevented 100 percent of those. through Right. And this is not to mention gun, all of the, the, the ones
0: that have happened just this year that didn't make that quote mark, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's horrifying. It's- and
2: then the, the line gets fur- pushed further and further and further. It has to be bigger and bigger to make the news. Whereas you
1: go somewhere like, I don't know, Denmark and a shooting at all ever would make national yeah. news. Yeah, well and, and and like to be honest with you like I don't even hear a whole lot of people talking about it, right? Like because yeah. of other cultural things taking right. place in injustice, right? Like but 22 people died. It's awful. Right? Like it's it, absolutely and, and, awful. We can prevent every single one of those deaths. I get that folks have all kinds of opinions on how we should approach it, right? But the plain and simple fact is that if that person doesn't have access to killing machines, right. then 22 people don't die and, and we don't have the biggest shooting since 2019. It's just – it's,
0: it's – It's horrifying. It's devastating.
1: And they
2: were a gun safety instructor. Really?
1: That's what the New York Times said.
0: <sighs> Awful. Awful. Uh, okay. Anyone else want to go? I'm sorry. I started with the worst no, that's, that's, that's really one. It was really heavy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I say we can only go, f- go up from here, but I don't know if that's – Mine is true. low too, so – Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to talk about the uh, Aurora City Council uh, <laughs> that's always doing fun things. Um, I was looking at some of the reporting at the Sentinel um, by Max Levy. And he was talking about this resolution that they passed, uh, some of the conservative council members denouncing the invasion of Israel by Hamas. Um, and the, the, the more stronger issue was that they did not talk about the Palestinian death toll whatsoever. Uh, and there was many Which we people have in seen there.
0: reportedly, yeah.
2: Exactly. It's been talked about a lot. Some of the more um, other members on the council were trying to add amendments to hope to like Add a reference about discrimination toward Muslims and Palestinian civilians. Uh, that was rejected. Uh, There's three hours of public comment about this. Uh, I mean, it did not did not go well. There was a lot of yelling.
0: And this is – Aurora, I think the thing that I struggle with and just in general, and Tim, I think you probably know as being a teacher there, it's one of the most diverse cities in the state. It is, it
1: is the most diverse city in the state of Colorado. We have so many They have the people. largest Arab population in the state of Colorado. In yeah.
0: Yeah. And that sometimes, the, oftentimes the politics just don't mirror at all what we know about the community.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, go the, yeah, go
2: ahead. Uh, no, the, the most that they added was, uh, oh, where did it go? Uh, adding a statement that the city recognizes and mourns the loss of all innocent lives caught in the fighting. Isn't this that wild? was uh, what they ended up adding it. at the end.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting political and cultural moment for the way that I think municipalities are responding. Right. I, I think that the key right. response that you had said is Aurora is is a— democratic city, right? But it has a conservative municipal government. And, right, it it elects people like Jason Crow, who are Dems and, and do good things, right? And, like, I think that's that's why, again, I key in on the idea of the, the Aurora municipal races that are taking place and they'll be over in about 12 days. It's going to be really, really key. Yeah. Because like the people who are responsible for not not only just just a resolution that I think is, is really dehumanizing like that. Right. They're also looking to privatize the public defender's office in Aurora, which means that folks would have limited access to public defense counsel and like. The, the strong mayor system mm. and all these other pieces that are just like really, really um, insidious and I think um, should be really closely examined, especially because Aurora is the most diverse city in the state of Colorado. The largest out-of-population in the, in the state of Colorado lives in Aurora, and so I think it's it's insult to injury to do it in a place like Aurora, to, to do it to folks who – we know our 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 wonderful community members our our wonderful teachers and students and parents and nurses and and laborers and plumbers right like
0: and your neighbors yeah
1: exactly and yeah, yeah.
0: it's it's such a yeah it's just it's some it's a it's a race to be watching as well, just because even if you're not in Aurora and you can't vote, this has implications for the state, right? Because this is a huge city in our state. A lot of things will happen there. So just something to keep watch on. Yeah. Um Tim, what do you have for us?
1: Yeah, well, I I part of my low was in connection to the same issue. I um I read a story this morning that um the Colorado congressional delegation wrote a letter to TSA at DIA to help them clean up the lines. Um, but our congressional delegation has yet to say anything about a ceasefire in Gaza. And I think that it's a, a really interesting way to organize ourselves in response to our current political moment with people who can actually enact material change for people. And is showing up on the municipal level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I call on our congressional delegation to, to not just... Right, like, why are you worried about DIA wait times? Right, respectfully, like, <laughs> I've like got some like, bigger things, and to and we deal have humanitarian crises taking yes. place that we can have a real material impact on adjusting and changing the trajectory of. And so, I—that's a part of it. But actually, my fail is a little bit different. Um, my fail is—I uh, don't know if y'all heard, but um, in uh, Darren Patterson Christian Academy in Buena Vista, um, or I guess if you're from there, it's Buena Vista. Right?
0: <laughs> is an ongoing fight, <laughs> I don't but, know how to feel about it. Um,
1: district court judge Daniel Dominico upheld that a private school uh, in Buena Vista can still receive universal preschool funds even though the school has discriminatory practices and policies surrounding gender identity and policies that adhere to the idea that only students of a biological sex, <sighs> male or female, may be able to attend and be able to participate wow. in the school and we're giving them state funding. And a judge upheld that they are still worthy of state funding. And look, I, I will never be the person to say defund our schools right. like, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. But I I, I was, like, kind of devastated to read about this story because I was like, yo, like, first of all, in case you have not kept up, Colorado has, like, a really, really, really strong right-wing push in school board races right now. Yes. I was just meeting oh. with CEA, the union, yeah. yesterday. Yes. And there's, like, a, like, we're talking, like, American birthright standards. We're talking about, like all kinds of things um all over the state and i think that like it's 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 really kind of devastating not only just for kids and we know that right but like because these are these are adults who are misusing state funding to yeah. enact discrimination and like mm-hmm. i i think about like yes people often phrase it under the idea of religion right like Religions are institutions that are governed by people, and I think that they respond to our culture just like everything else. Right? You said and, this is a public school, right? No, this is a pro- private, private school. That's right? the struggle: okay. is it's a right. private
0: school getting that universal pre yeah. K funding, yeah. but it's violating these.
1: Well, and 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 it and like again, like. We know where folks on the right stand when it comes to things like gender, when it comes to gender identity, right? And, and and it's not to tell folks that, like, they have to change their opinions. But should we, as taxpayers, give state funding, right, out of our tax money to folks that are not willing to see the people that walk into their classrooms as people? Yeah. And I, like, I, again, like, I, I yes, it's caught up in gender, right? I, I think, like, an important layer and, and a conversation to interrogate is if this was according to race, There would be protests at the Colorado State Capitol, right? Right. Like, think about it, right? The Mormon church quite literally did not let black folks become or hold any position in the Mormon church until 1978, right? The Civil Rights Act happens in 1964, is passed in 1965. This is 13 years after black folks are not even allowed into the church. Let's say that a Mormon school in Denver wanted to enact a private school and said, hey, but we're not going to let anybody in who's black, Right. And I think that there's like a, a really important way to interrogate the idea of like, why do religious institutions that do not pay taxes, first of all, right? It's <laughs> and, a good point. and instead, like, open private schools and receive taxpayer money, right? Oh, know, why are they system allowed? they're not
0: paying into, exactly. first of all. Exactly. But right? second like, of all, but being able to decide. Who gets to come in based on if things are? If they're going to receive
2: funding, they should be having to go through the same standards as a public school receiving funding.
1: You would think. You would think, and, and and like the icing on the cake is we don't even fully fund our public schools, right? Like, right. Who Let are, alone. Like, That's a very good point. But but, but you know what we're saying right, like in the universal pre K, like everybody's allowed. And and look, like I the universal pre K rollout was a mess too. And there's a whole other story and it a was hard. story in there too.
0: Well, and also <laughs> a lot of. Um, churches have often been places for preschool programs but they haven't necessarily been rooted in the religious as it's just like a community pro i went to a Mm -hmm. i went to a jewish preschool i'm not jewish it was the preschool in my community and so and i i like that they're still able to participate but not when they're doing that kind of like you can't you can't do both like you can't say we'll take your money but we'll decide who can and can't come in
1: yeah it's 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 i say it's a fail because i think um while it's you know it's a microcosm, and it is, like, one school. right Still like,
0: to watch. It spreads yo, quickly. like,
1: I'm telling you, like, so. the, the right wing in Colorado has made, like, a very clear decision that they are not involving themselves with congressional politics and other pieces. They They're are involving going about themselves the with way. school boards, right? Oh, yeah. And I just saw
0: a story about all the funding the, yeah. going into the school board races across the state.
1: Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's real. There's, like, a
0: ha- almost a half a million going into Denver's right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. For school board. It's, it's And I would love to see the—
0: t- Dollar vote <laughs> ratio when we see how many people turn out, but but yep. it is still it isn't. I agree to it's something to watch because it's 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 part of our larger political conversation. Um, let's get to wins. Andrew, do you have a win?
2: Yeah, it's uh, so I don't know how much uh, I find it very interesting with the social media and Meta and like kind of the lawsuits the continued lawsuits that keep going on against them and Google and other places. And Meta
0: is formerly known as Facebook.
2: Yes. For folks that have been lucky enough
0: to not be paying that much
2: attention. (laughs) But uh, Colorado (laughs) recently joined a lawsuit with 32 other states to sue Meta on the point that their social platforms are addictive and harming children and Mm -hmm. that they're collecting data on, uh, I think, 14 and under and they're aware (gasps) of it. Uh, so I'm excited to see where that goes. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. More states piling on.
0: As a person with a two-year-old that knows how to use an iPad, I am <laughs> not looking forward to this aspect of when the data collection starts happening directly to him instead of just through what yeah. I post and share. So, yeah. But I'm glad that they're paying attention because this is part of this larger conversation about how these companies have been able to – take our data
2: yeah. for. Yeah, intrude in our lives, take our privacy.
0: For a long
2: time. Well, and, mm-hmm. and impact mental health, right? Yeah, like, yeah we're
1: of talking course about course. Oh. We're talking about yeah. all kinds of different pieces and I mm-hmm. work, like anybody who works in a school will tell you like that's. <laughs> I, oh, I yeah. can't even it's, imagine
0: what you're seeing with young people and, the, you know, just the experience of being a teenager in general is just a precarious thing but then mm-hmm. add social media to it. It's really hard.
1: And somebody who's mining your data and selling it off without oh, yeah. your consent and like kids and are thinking that they're just looking up things on Facebook, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's pretty wild, but the
0: bonus. <laughs> I mean, the good part here is that yeah, because, oh, yeah, state the state is taking part. action. It's the win, the win. The, the win, win Let's that's the win part. on the that's positives. The win. Yeah, um. heck yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go really quickly because it sort of is connected to my fail, which is that um, Club Q is reopening. So Mm -hmm. this was unfortunately a a place in Colorado Springs that was the site of another mass shooting. But they are reopening as the Q. Um, They'll be in the Satellite Hotel. Their old location is going to become a memorial. And so they're in the process of uh, getting permits and setting that all that up. So that place will still be available for folks to go and visit and spend some time. But... They're reopening their space for, and everybody is welcome to come back to the queue.
1: So. All right. That is a win. Yeah. That is a win. I
0: thought that was a nice something.
1: Positive. Yeah. What about you, Tim? My win is, is not political at all. all. Right. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets are back. Yeah, and baby. Case, and look, we
0: whooped the Lakers.
1: Hundred percent. Right hanging out that banner game. in front of LeBron's Ooh, face like a so Like did you, did and I'm you, not even <laughs> against LeBron like that. You know I'm against the Lakers. Ugh. Right.
0: <laughs> like I did you I, see him chanting Who's Your Daddy?
1: No. Oh what? yeah.
0: And Jamal Murray was like <laughs> Is that what you got? And then he was like kind of this face where like, yeah, okay. It was just so – you could just see LeBron uh, was like, oh, my
1: God. Yeah, man. I like – look, I, I was there when the when the Nuggets um, – w- when they won the, the, the championship and I was downtown when people were on street posts and all that stuff, right? And I can neither confirm nor deny whether I was on a street post. But I will say – I will say, I will say that it's just a big moment for the city. Oh, I like, love it. I like – I've been a Denver Nuggets fan my entire life. My dad loves the Denver Nuggets, right? Like, I'm pretty (sighs) sure I've had this sweater, like, from the time that, like, I was a child, right? Like, I, and and I just, man, I, I was talking with my homegirl the other day, and, like, I think like it's very telling, right? I would be curious what the forty-two percent of people who believe that we're the Midwest like. Are you Denver Nuggets fans? Right? No, they're, they're <laughs> like, Bucks. They're Bucks fans. We know that's what I'm saying, right? Like, it's a huge moment for the city. I think it's a cultural win. I like I, I and like again, I give the layer of, of like I'm specifically happy that it, we hung it up in front of the Lakers because like. Colorado teams, if you're a fan of anybody like in Colorado, right? We don't necessarily have rivals, we just have people that whoop our ass all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, and for, we
0: got to whoop the Lakers.
1: Exactly. And hang a championship banner. So like get it's, our it's rings. a It's a win for the whole city, man. Uh my my younger version of myself that was uh this is a real story, was a Denver Thuggets fan, if you know oh, about them, right? Do you like, know my oh, yeah. <laughs> my
0: friend Kevin Hennessy, who's a tattoo artist of me and my brother sort of friend group, there are many a Thuggets tattoos. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. No, I, I remember uh Chauncey Billups had a got milk poster at my school and I stole it and I hung I it. went
0: to school I, I went dry. to school with Chauncey Billups. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, yes. Dang. Yeah.
1: Um I uh but yeah, so I, as like a former child that had a like a literal like oh. eight by former five child. Chauncey Billups got milk poster <laughs> in my like I just my Denver my Denver Nuggets heart was real happy this week, so
0: are you a, are you a Nuggets fan? Uh, I
1: do not pay attention to <gasps> sports. That's all right. You well, a Nuggets fan. Yeah. You, speaking you a language by over You are a proxy of
0: people in this room. You've become sure, a Nuggets sure. fan. Heck
1: yeah! Heck yeah! We
0: kind of we we kind of made franchise history last year. No yeah. big
1: deal. He was busy reporting. I know. I it's busy. True. I was busy. You were in a hole for nine months. I was busy, busy being more negative story. than the. Well, than little, Nuggets, honestly, gotta talk about post. If you
0: need <laughs> If you need a little break, the season just started. It's a perfect time to get in there and become a Nuggets fan. I'm just saying you can uh-huh. join us
1: uh-huh. heck, yeah.
2: heck uh-huh. yeah go nuggies
0: well uh, <laughs> Tim Andrew thank you so much
2: yeah so thank no you. thank you thank you this is lovely I appreciate you thanks so much yeah.
0: That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and Olivia Jewel love Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and I'm Bree Davies, your host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Instagram at Denver, and tell Post Compliance Manager Kathy Rodriguez about us next time you see her. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. (laughs) Paul is Pauling so hard today. It's like (laughs) Paul's going full force, 100% Paul.